0: It's time to get away from it all Doesn't matter if you say you or y'all Let's all get out there and have some fun Bluff City Outdoor Show
1: is for everyone Welcome to the Bluff City Outdoor Show. Thank you, Perry Woods, and indeed, welcome to another edition of the Bluff City Outdoor Show on 101.9 and 94.1 News Talk STL. Tony Colombo here in studio with our brand new producer, Quentin. Great to see you, buddy.
0: Glad to be here.
1: Quentin is uh, the new producer. He'll be a part of the show every week from here on out, which is a whole lot of fun. And it's only... A lot of times this uh, studio for this show gets very crowded, but this week it's the opposite of crowded. It's just Quentin and I all by ourselves because everybody else is out having fun. We're going to talk to our buddy, uh, professional fisherman Mike Marfell. He's going to join us at the uh, end of the show. He is preparing for a tournament, and he's going to be a part of the fishing report that we bring you at the end of each and every show. So we'll talk to him. He's out about, uh, I think, on the water as we speak And my co-host and partner, Mark McMurray, the owner of Bluff City Outdoors, is at the Illinois Trapping Convention, which, uh, Mark, I know for you, obviously, you know, Bluff City Outdoors, big in the fishing industry, probably the biggest in the area in the fishing industry, and also, you know, making big strides in uh, the hunting department with the archery range and everything out there at Bluff City Outdoors, but your heart... Lies with trapping, I believe, my friend. Oh, so you yeah, got to be having yeah, a blast this weekend. How are you? Yeah, all no,
0: good, good. Yeah, that's 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 my what I love to do. So
1: yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, tell us a little bit about this convention. And I think the uh, uh, another good point to make is that much like all these other outdoor activities, fishing and hunting, um, trapping. Is, you know, certainly not at the popularity level, but it is one of these activities that are kind of a little bit on making a comeback here, which I think is very cool and exciting. So I would imagine that that has an impact on the convention that you're at today. So uh, tell us about this event.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're up here in Decatur, Illinois, up at the Macon County Fairgrounds, and we got there's a bunch of different uh, trapping vendors here, trappers from across the state come up and attend it. There's seminars going on and just it's just a really good time you meet so many good people uh that's one thing about the trappers they are really truly salt of the earth type people Mm -hmm. and um it's just it's just interesting to see them all again talk to them you know help them out try to get them started and uh and the trapping stuff you know fur prices are incredibly low right now so there's not a lot of you know you should be able to at least pay for your sport yeah you can't do that but a lot of hunters Turkey hunters and especially deer hunters are starting to get into it in order to help the the deer herd and the turkey flocks. Just you take those predators out of the out of the ecosystem every fall, and there's just uh, there's just less of them, you know, to prey on the little fawns and stuff in the spring. Yeah, so, so I was, we we get a lot of people into that.
1: The, yeah, and I, I was going to ask you a, a, kind of a, along those lines. So the people there, the the percentage of people that that participate in trapping in one form or another. Um, Are they, is the majority of those people doing it for sport and for fun or are the majority of them doing it as a job of some kind, whether it be part-time or full-time? Like is I, I, cause like I know that like what you said, the industry itself has kind of been hurt by the low fur prices over the last several years. So is this more of a, is this more of a, of a fun sporting activity for the majority of people that are there? Or is this still, um, you know, some, something that people are doing for a living or for a job? So
0: you, you do have the, and you know, it's really been a, a good thing for, for them is the people who do actually do animal damage control. In fact, in the building I'm in here, there's three or four other vendors. Two of them are animal damage control agents, you know, and then of course they're, you know, helping people selling their baits and their lures and stuff. And, uh. But there's a that's a big growing segment, and that that grows when the fur prices are low because you don't have all the trappers in the field doing all that work for free. For people, uh, you know, they got to fall back and end up getting you know people to come out and you know catch the raccoons, catch the beavers, the muskrats mm-hmm. that are you know causing damage. And uh, so it, it's made for you know kind of a niche business for those guys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and they're just most of them were, you know, they were trappers and they go, Hey, this way I can do a trap for a living. And, uh, and they just enjoy it.
1: So you just mentioned a few of the species there. When I think of trapping, I think of raccoons and I think of beavers, but, and, and, and that's about it. So, but I know there's a lot more to it. I know there's, there's a lot of niches. There's a lot of different, um, you know, even, even if it's, even if it is a very niche thing, there's, it still exists. So, when we're talking about trapping, what what are the primary animals, and then what are some of the the maybe secondary um, uh, trapping animals that people don't maybe don't think about when they think of the sport?
0: Yeah, so your your big ones are are, are beavers, uh, coyotes, and raccoons. Those are your three most abundant, you know, things that people pursue. And then secondary ones would be your red and gray fox. Uh, otters uh, muskrats and mink and um i myself i like to catch mink they're, they're just fun to catch <laughs> they're, they're not the easiest thing in the world to catch a lot of people don't know they're out there but i like to tell people there's there's mink almost everywhere where there's water but you don't there's not a lot of them anywhere gotcha. so they're, they're real widespread they're real territorial so there's just not that many in the same area
1: Right. What's the damage that they do? What is the what is a, 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 a problem that the mink will will cause? You know, they the they usually
0: get after people's chickens. Ah. That's what they're they're known for eating at because uh, they're small. They can fit through a lot of places, and they're just a little killing machine. <laughs> so they'll they'll get into a chicken coop and they won't eat any of them, but they'll kill every one of them in there. They're just uh, one right. of the few animals that just kills for fun.
1: Oof. And I would imagine that a uh, I would imagine that setting up uh, to trap beaver is a lot different than coyote. Um yep. Talk about some of those differences in uh, in you know in whatever approach you're going to make and and in general, if somebody is a trapper, do they usually do they usually do you know run the gamut of these animals, or are there people that are just specialized on one? You know, like I'm a trapper, but I only do coyotes. You know, don't call me about the beavers. Like, is, yes, how does there, that work? There
0: are definitely people that that are land, basically land trappers and water trappers.
1: Ah, okay. Um,
0: and you know, you a water trapper, you're usually good at catching muskrats, meat, raccoons, beaver. And a land trapper is usually good at catching, uh, coyotes, foxes, and bobcats and things yeah. like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how? which which of those I I feel like and, you know, I've told my story about, you know, about being in the cabin last year and the raccoons that wouldn't that literally I I couldn't scare them away with. You know, I was I was basically hitting them in the face with a broom and they acted like it was, you know, just a small uh, diversion. Like, come on, man, leave me alone. Like, you know, they 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 showed no fear. So I know that raccoons I don't know if they are getting more bold I think they've kind of always been kind of a bold aggressive animal you know as or at least not maybe not aggressive but just not scared um you know of 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 approaching uh, people or going you know where they think there might be some food um but does that is that becoming more and more of a problem are any of the numbers are any of the the issues created by rac- I would imagine like I said like I'm glad you said coyotes because I, I drew a blank on coyotes. I, I, I was, th- you know, usually thinking raccoons and beavers when I'm thinking about trapping, but coyotes another one. You know, I have friends that have, you know, farmland and things like that around the area and they have kids, you know, and things, you know, and you, and you, you or pets or chickens, like you said, and, you know, coyotes can definitely be a problem. Um, are, are are any of those particular species creating more of a problem these days and there's a growing need? For this this trapping, um, more than maybe there has been in, in previous years.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, the one one animal that causes a lot of damage is beavers, uh, mm-hmm. just because they they dam up any waterway and uh, and when they burrow their dens back into the bank, it's a it's a big hole that they're building back. You know, it's a twelve inch twelve inch hole that they're digging underneath, entering you know underneath the water, and then they come up and underneath dig a hole back in the bank. So you know when you're out there walking around a pond that's got them, and you know you might be standing on their dam. They're just under the ground, (laughs) and it's a big cavern, you know. Yeah. Because they're they're a big animal. Yeah. And uh, they just and they just they're the the way they build their dams. They just hold water so well, and they're always going to make them higher. You know they Mm -hmm. they want to they want to increase the water surface so they get to more food.
1: Yeah, cuz that that's uh, what it, that, at the end of the day, you know, people talk, you know, we think we talk about beavers and we you know, everybody knows that beavers make dams and all of that, but it has it, the reason they do that, it's it's all about diverting the food, right? It's all about bringing dinner to the it's, to the bringing
0: the bringing the water to the food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's all there's a there's obviously, you know, there's a uh instinctual reason that they that they do that and then I would imagine that coyotes um, I, we're seeing this across the board and we will talk more obviously about deer season. You know, we're in archery season now in both Missouri and Illinois and it's hunting season. And that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about in the coming weeks on the show. Um, but, and I've mentioned this before too. Like I did, I feel like there's more wildlife just interactions right now across the board, whether we're talking about, about deer or we're talking about these types of animals like raccoons and coyotes and beaver, yeah, I, I just feel like for whatever reason, I don't know if we're encroaching on their land more or if there's if the population of these species are just up. But I feel like we are uh, interacting with these animals more than we have in the past. Am I imagining that or is that is do you see that happening uh, yeah, it, you know, in your it, conversations as well?
0: Yeah, their, their numbers are up and then we're encroaching more on their land, you know, where they were. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, but you know, part of like you know, like the raccoon population, they, they're so they can basically they can adapt to almost anything. You know, in this, you know, they're in downtown St. Louis, right in the dumps, right. in the storm exactly. Systems, you
1: know? Yeah, they're, I've they're seen them going combo. up and down my street. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, they're yeah. in subdivisions, absolutely.
0: You know, they get to be the problem is when they decide to make their home up in your attic. Yeah, so they'll go up and they'll go up a drain <laughs> spout.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, that's it's super interesting stuff, and it's uh, what you know. That's what I love about this show. You know, we talk a lot about uh, fishing and hunting and some of the other things, but uh, you know, there's so many, there's so many aspects of great of the great outdoors and and outdoor life and activities and. And trapping is one that we don't get a chance to talk about as much. So this is a this is a really cool thing to be able to do today. Uh, that's Mark McMurray, of course, my partner, not in studio with me this week. He is at the Illinois Trapping Convention. And in just a minute, we're going to talk to one of your buddies there. We talk about, you know, like, what do you do with these animals, you know, when you trap them? Are they being killed? Are they, be, you know, lot you know, the fur trade is obviously a big part of this. I know that there are some people that relocate. And there's also the taxidermy part of the equation that is, uh, uh, you know, to be talked about, too. So uh, tell us about who our guest is going to be in, in just a moment in our next segment, Mark.
0: Yeah, it's, I'm not going to say the last name because I'll mess it up, but it's Charlie. He's from Hoosier Trapping Supply. Um, so he's a taxidermist, and he's a deer scent manufacturer and a trapping uh, scent and bait manufacturer. Well, awesome. And he, he's just a, just a good guy. Like I said, he's right across from us here, and let uh, you get a chance to talk to him, you know, find out how he got his business
1: going and stuff like that. So. Can't wait. We're going to talk to Charlie from Hoosier Trapping Supply. Uh, taxidermist and continue, of course, our conversation with my co-host, Mark McMurray, who is at the Illinois Trapping Convention as we go through the day here. Thanks for listening to the Bluff City Outdoor Show on 1019
0: and 941 News Talk,
1: STL. I ain't rich, but I damn sure wanna be. Working like a dog all day, ain't working for me. Welcome back to the Bluff City Outdoors show on 101.9 and News Talk STL. A beautiful weekend this weekend. It looks like we are getting into that October weather, that cooler weather here in our area. Perfect time to be enjoying the great outdoors, talking about fishing, talking about hunting. Of course, my partner, Mark McMurray, is at the Illinois Trapping Convention. And so we're talking about trapping today as well. We'll get back into that conversation in just a second. Wanted to also remind you that all these great activities in the great outdoors this time of year, grilling is at the very top of that list. And make sure the next time you're out there with the grill that you have a bag of Rockwood Lump Charcoal with you. Rockwood Lump Charcoal, great local business uh, that has been ranked the number one consumer rated Charcoal, nine years running, Lump Charcoal, Rockwood Lump Charcoal, specifically just a superior product in just about every way to the traditional briquettes that you may be used to. They burn, it burns hotter, it burns faster, it gives you more control. You get a whole lot more out of a 20-pound bag of Rockwood Charcoal than you do the traditional briquettes. And again, not only are you using a superior product, but you're supporting local business and local industry. Missouri is the number one charcoal maker in the country. country. So, uh, yeah, you're checking just about every box possible when you purchase Rockwood Lump Charcoal. It's available at over 100 area locations. Find the closest one to you and pick up some grilling tips and tricks all at rockwoodcharcoal.com. All right. As I mentioned, my partner, Mark McMurray, the owner of Bluff City Outdoors, is at the Illinois Trapping Convention. Mark, you still with us? Can you hear me? Yes.
0: Hey, Tony.
1: Hi. And you've got next to you uh, Charlie Mayshack from Hoosier Trapper Supply. Charlie, uh, great to talk with you. Thanks for being on the show with us. And I'll tell you what, I wish I was standing there with you and Mark at the convention and uh, stuck here in the studio uh, I hope you're having a good time, and really appreciate you taking a few minutes with us today. How are you?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. yeah, we're having a we're having a good time today. It's a bit cool though, but it, it's uh, cold. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to I thought it was going to snow a little bit ago.
1: You know what? <laughs> it's funny. You know, so this show airs. You know, people people download the podcast, so they listen to this show at all different times on all different days. But we air on Saturdays at 11 a.m. and Sundays at noon on News Talk STL. So, whenever you're listening, I don't if you're listening on Saturday morning on the you know when the show first airs, uh, the the forecast this weekend was lows in the 40s on saturday on Saturday morning. So, um, that's quite that's quite the difference, Charlie. I don't know uh, I don't know what, what you know where you're from exactly, but you know we were in the upper 80s we were hovering around 90 like 3 days ago so 40s is a, is quite the difference yeah we're
2: we're uh just south of Indianapolis so we basically got, got the you. same weather yeah. so yeah we yeah. were we were dealing with that very summer like weather not very long ago so yeah yeah
1: yeah that's that's awesome so tell us about the uh tell us about your uh business who's uh, your trapper supply and uh you know just the, the part of the the industry that you guys uh serve because you know, this is, as I mentioned in that first segment with Mark, you know, this that's one of the beauties of this show is we get a chance to talk about these activities. You know, we talk a lot about fishing and hunting, but there's, you know, you don't very often get a chance to, to really delve into uh, the trapping industry or the sport of trapping. So I love to have these conversations. So, uh, yeah, tell us your story a little bit. Tell us about, uh, about the company and, and what you guys are all about. So...
2: We've actually I started it in 1976 so we've been around a long time um it's been in the trapping business that entire time uh make a formulated a line of trapping scents. it's under the name of leatherwood trapping scent which includes our um, bait that we're most known for as our top dog predator bait and then we sell like I said we sell a complete line of trapping equipment um, along with that both on online and through a storefront uh Mark's going to uh carry some of our bait the top dog and um also we have a line of deer uh attractant um which uh we do have the traditional dough and heat dough urine that kind of thing but we're most known for uh we have a, a product called lip liquor uh deer lure that i formulated and that one is uh attractive to both bucks and does and it's attractive to them uh, at any month of the year so it takes the guesswork out of um which scent to use uh, for the season that you're in because it always works. And uh, one nice thing about it too is it keeps. So if you've got some left over, or you're concerned about um, the deterioration of a don't heat per se, um, this one holds up and it'll, it's actually good the following year if you don't use it all. So oh, wow. um, it's very, it's a very attractive year. There's, I tell people all the time, there's no um, magic formula for this stuff, but um it's as close as I've come to something that um, consistent. You know, wow. it consistently works. So there are um, the stories that we hear back in terms of deer attraction and deer stopping and checking it out. Um, by far, it is by far the one we hear the most back on.
1: So I I know you're located there in in Indianapolis, you're in Indiana, uh, but I imagine that people can buy this stuff online. So for people that are listening in in our area here in in Missouri and Illinois, where where can they learn more and where can they pick up those products
2: so you can get it at hoosier dot com, um and then we also we do have a youtube channel uh, called hoosier trapper outdoors um but uh um and then mark's gonna carry the yeah airport.
0: we're gonna have it i'll have it in this shop when i get back sunday there you yeah. go available so at bluff Plus city sunday. outdoors all in yeah.
1: illinois yeah <laughs> that is fantastic that is that that yeah. is that is awesome and charlie uh, I know that you are, are you, do you do the taxidermy? Is that uh, something that you do through the company or is that something that you do on the side? I know that, uh, the taxidermy is also something that you're a part mm-hmm. of and, 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 and part of the trapping, uh, experience that we haven't really talked about yet. So, uh, tell us about that a little bit.
2: As far as the taxidermy or the, um, so Ta- the yeah. taxidermy, yeah, we, taxidermy, something yeah. That we, do through, we do it through the business and I've actually got a couple of people that work for me that do taxidermy, uh, as well. So we keep quite busy with that too. Um, and that's, um, with, and we do, you know, everything from, uh, of course, uh, traditional shoulder mounts to, um, international stuff from Africa or wherever. Oh, wow. So, um, we keep, we keep busy with that. Wow.
1: But as that, far as the- that's, that's pretty amazing. I didn't, I didn't expect to hear that. I was just thinking of like the, the more traditional, uh, you know, local stuff, but it, uh, yeah, it. Uh, I bet you've you've seen some pretty interesting things. Then I would imagine over the years.
2: Yeah, yeah, we have. It's it. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do get to see some pretty cool stuff. So, um, this is North American, but a guy just brought a, a Rocky Mountain bighorn in, which was uh, wow. the best best one we've ever seen. Very, wow. very impressive one. So it yeah. wasn't even broomed off on the end. So yeah, it was an awesome animal. So yeah, we get to see them. How is that industry? Is
1: that, cause I, I feel like that could be that, you know, like that is a very intricate, you know, to do that, to do taxidermy properly is, you know, something that you, 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 anybody can learn, but you've got to, it takes time and it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of attention to do that properly and you know, I, I'm afraid that those types of, of activities are things that we've sort of lost over the last few years. How is that industry doing? Is that um, is it is is it is it fading away? Is it on the comeback like so many other outdoor activities are? Um, what's the what's the current state of the of the taxidermy uh, business and industry?
2: It, it's it's alive and well it's, good, it's not going good, anywhere good, there there's good. a there's actually a lot of interest in it and there's i mean on the on one end of it there's like international competitions and they're um uh so yeah it's it's um if anyone ever wants to get an idea of the taxidermy industry just request a catalog uh McKinsey, uh taxidermy supply and it's literally a phone book of of equipment that you can get so yeah it's it's uh it, it's it's uh, uh pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of people that that are involved in it. So
1: got a few minutes left here. We're talking with Charlie shack. He is with Hoosier Trapper Supply. He is at the Illinois Trapping Convention with my partner Mark McMurray. And uh, Mark, we haven't even had a chance to uh, touch base with you now that we are in. Full blown uh, archery season, at least in both Missouri and Illinois, and especially talking to Charlie with his great products uh, that uh, can can assist the hunters out there in the woods. What are you uh, What are you hearing, especially now that these temperatures have turned around? Um, what have you been hearing at the shop from uh, from guys that have been out in the woods, and and uh, you know, especially these bow guys that have uh, just gotten started with this season? How how uh, what are the early reports, if if you've gotten any?
0: Yeah, so. We know a couple guys got deer on the opening day. Uh, that was Sunday. And then we know a lot of people with the weather change now are getting out. It seems they're really gotten them moving. And then exactly what Jeff told me, what happened with the archery is we're averaging about five bows and crossbows coming in for repairs <laughs> every day this week. And he said, yeah, he said that will, you know, that's how it is. When, mm-hmm. Once they get a field, something goes wrong and then they got to get it in and get try to get it fixed real fast. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's it, that, it, that's definitely d- happening.
1: Don't mean to do the I told you so, Mark, but I mean, this is a good lesson. I mean, we've, we've been telling folks for weeks, like, you know, get that stuff checked out before the season starts. Just bring it up to Bluff City. Let Jeff and the guys take a look at it and get that stuff checked out before you get out in the woods and, and then have a problem and then have to delay everything to go get it fixed. I mean, it's it, 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 it at least Bluff City Outdoors is there. For people to get it fixed as quick as they can. But, uh, you know, always a good idea to keep in mind for next season or, you know, just going forward. Or maybe you don't have, maybe you have a trip that's coming up in a week or so or whatever. Bring your stuff up to Bluff City now and get it looked at and make it's sure you don't line. have that yeah. problem in the woods. Take a number. Yeah,
0: they starting to get a backlog on getting strings yeah. made and stuff. So that just <laughs> yeah. gets worse as the season goes on.
2: Exactly. And, exactly.
0: And, uh, but, but, you know, we're doing our best. We're still turning a bow around in about seven, eight days. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, about as quick as we can get them now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like it's all good. about being preemptive and getting up there early and getting things uh, solved as quick as you can so you don't deal with the delays when the season but gets I'm, started. I'm really yeah, getting
0: excited about putting Charlie, putting the lip liquor in. Yeah. Because I looked at it last year, but I kind of looked at it a little bit too late, you know, by the time we'd gotten open and everything. And uh, I went out and watched. He's got a good uh, video on his website that watches a deer that's like on on a, on a dripper. And it's just like, it's kind of going nuts, you know. Yeah. Uh, over it, and uh, which is pretty good. I, you know, I got a chance to smell it. I'm not a deer, but it it smells different. <laughs> and uh, you, but you know a few. Kind of <laughs> You're it, not a deer, but you know a few. People saying, <laughs> like you know, a, let them try it. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty upbeat about it. So. That's awesome. And that that is top dog. Kyle uh, bait is, is top dog. It's yeah. good stuff yeah we've been doing so, that a few years,
1: yeah, so uh, Charlie, we talked about this these, these temperatures turning around and it getting cold all of a sudden. so uh is this is when when you're out there in the in the woods you, is this the cooler temperatures better or were the warmer temperatures better? how how does this temperature change uh, affect folks out there?
2: so in terms of trapping, it's it's still a little bit too early. The seasons generally have not kicked in in some of the northern states, guys are are getting closer to it than um i'm not sure exactly what your season is here in, in uh, illinois but sure. it's early november yeah yeah we're we're probably pretty similar so not, generally that stuff kind of kicks off in november and and um so travel is one of those things that that if it's if it's uh, really really it depends on the animals so most animals will still run and if it's a little bit cooler they generally move better Um, If we get a really good cold snap, the coyotes, of course, are moving good, but the the raccoons will go into their partial hibernation, and we get a break in the weather, so then the raccoons will normally move. So, it it all depends on what species you're talking about and how extreme the temperature swings are. So, um, here in the Midwest, most trappers are continually fighting the weather, the freeze thaw, and the the inconsistencies of uh, temperature are always a battle. So. Um, if we could just get a nice stretch of two weeks of nice, dry weather, that's that's what most of us are hoping for, which normally does not happen. Yeah, right. Country. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Two two weeks of any kind of consistency in the weather in our area, and I'm sure yours, you're not that far away, is uh, is usually a little Pretty bit too life much life. to ask for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Charlie, before we let you go, we were talking to, uh, you know, we were just talking with Mark about, You know, our area, and I was saying, you know, like when I think of trapping, I I generally think of raccoons and beavers and coyotes, you know, a little bit also. Um, What are the main, what are the main species? What are the main uh, uh, animals that people are, you know, that are maybe messing with farmers or things like that that you um, uh, have in your area there in Indiana?
2: So it would be basically the same as here. We don't have a bobcat season in Indiana, which in Illinois uh, Illinois you guys do, but um, you know, um, raccoon, muskrats, mink, um, beaver, otter, coyotes, foxes, possums pretty much covers it. So yeah. um, I don't think I missed any scum. Yeah, scone. We do mm-hmm. like to mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. those. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> That's not fun. I mean, we, got pretty much, we have pretty much the same thing you guys have. I think you guys have a badger season, maybe, but we do not. Um, we just don't have them to speak of.
1: You know, in Missouri, but, uh, we have a bear season now. Just started last year. We we're a couple. We're just really? a couple years into our new bear season. Yeah, yeah. You should come over well, and try it sometime. <laughs> yeah, <it's> pretty cool. <laughs> it is but, pretty cool.
2: <laughs> it's 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 Mark and I. Are, uh, I'm just a hair older than him. So in our lifetime, I'm the sorry. changes that we have seen in animals. We didn't have coyotes when we were kids. <laughs> we didn't have bobcats back then. Um, beaver populations were generally considered pretty low. Even raccoon populations weren't what they are now. So we have seen significant increases in a lot of animals and and um just more opportunities for trappers to be out there so um yeah it's it's, uh, a lot
0: less foxes though
2: yeah a lot less foxes we don't have the foxes like we once did and that's probably just more of a habitat thing or uh yeah habitat with coyotes
1: yeah yeah Yeah. well listen i just like i said that's the beauty of this show we get to have these conversations that you don't usually have uh, you know, every day on the radio or in in, in general, and um, I just really love to, to learn about this stuff and to talk to guys like you, Charlie, and, and really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll let you guys get back to it there at the convention. My partner, Mark McMurray, and uh, Charlie Mayshack from Hoosier Trapper Supply. Uh, learn about all of those great products, especially those uh, those deer hunting uh, uh, products, all at supply.com and uh, Mark will let you go, too, and we'll get to the fishing report here in just a minute with Mike Marfell. But uh, really appreciate both you guys' time. And, Mark, we'll see you back here next week in the studio. And, Charlie, hope to talk to you again on the show sometime real soon. And, again, thanks for your time this afternoon. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. See you next week, Don. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, great stuff there. Uh, Charlie Bayshack from Hoosier Trapper Supply. Again, learn more at HoosierTrapperSupply.com. And uh, Mark will be back with us here in the studio next week. All right, time to bring you that fishing report. Our buddy Mike Marfell, the professional fisherman, he is also not in studio this week because he is getting ready for a big tournament this weekend. So we will talk to him and bring you that fishing report next here on the Bluff City Outdoor Show on 1019 and 941 News Talk STL. Once I pull this trigger, Welcome back to the Bluff City Outdoors Show on 101.9 and 94.1 News Talk STL. Great talking to my co host and partner, Mark McMurray from Bluff City Outdoors, in those uh, first couple segments of the show today. Also talking uh, with Charlie from uh, Hoosier Trapper Supply, which is about the greatest uh, uh, store name I've ever heard. They are at the Illinois. Trapper convention right now, trapping convention right now. And uh, Mark will be back with us in studio next week. Just want to remind you that we put this show out every week as a podcast. And speaking of Bluff City Outdoors, one of the places that you can get our podcast each and every week is on the Bluff City Outdoors Facebook page. So it's a great place to keep up with everything that's happening out at the shop, everything that's happening in the archery range, uh, everything that's happening, you know, this time of year with the... Fishing, which we're going to talk to Mike Marfell about in just a moment. Uh, But just a a great thing to keep up with the Bluff City Outdoors Facebook page. You can get our weekly podcast on the Facebook page as well. And of course, you can also go to bluffcityoutdoors.com. And as far as our podcast is concerned, just about every podcast platform we are on. So just search. Uh, bluff city outdoors show and you'll find us on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe so you never miss anything on the show any other great conversations or our weekly fishing report which speaking of that we do have mike marfell on the line with us and i was talking about the tournament this weekend uh like you were in it but you're not you're not in it but you are uh you you can help with people that may be in the tournament or if you're not in the tournament Maybe things that you can do to avoid getting um, uh, your your weekend um, interfered with. So, <laughs> Mike, really yeah. appreciate your time, buddy, as always. How are yeah, you? not a problem, Tony. Yeah, you always call me
3: the professional fisherman, and for a while I was because I'd made enough money I couldn't fish in the Big Bass Bash. Uh, <laughs> but that hadn't happened in a minute, so I could, although I have homecoming and a wedding this weekend, so yeah. I cannot participate.
1: But still uh, a big deal, right? Like the Ozarks this weekend oh, is the Big Bass big, Bash. Uh, what, so, yeah. yeah. Talk about the tournament Saturday, a little bit. Saturday yeah, Saturday. go ahead. Saturday.
3: Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's it's one of the funnest tournaments on the planet. I mean, you're just fishing for one bite. I think they're up to paying, I think, $100,000 for first, uh, biggest fish of the weekend. They pay down like 35 places for the biggest fish every two hours. Mm. That's both Saturday and Sunday. It's just a real blast. It, it has a huge turnout. So if you're not in it, find a different lake this weekend would be my recommendation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But as far as strategies, Tony, man, there's been lots and lots of pressure on Lake of the Ozarks. I know it's big. It's 96 miles, dam to dam, all that. Man, there was a BFL Super three weeks ago. That's a two-day tournament with some of the best anglers Mm. in the Ozarks. And then there was a three-day Bassmaster tournament the following weekend. Bassmaster opens. And then the following weekend was the MLF Toyota Series. and the Three-day tournament. Plus all your other charity and club tournaments going on in those times. So... It's been getting hammered pretty hard uh, mm. these
1: last three weeks, and you know that have got that. It's Go inter- ahead, Tony. Well, I was going to say, it's, I'm glad. You, it's interesting that you bring that up because, because of how big Lake of the Ozarks is, we've always kind of looked at that that lake as being impervious almost to the pressure. Now, obviously, there could be areas, you know, or certain coves or whatever that get really overworked. But um, it's interesting because I think because that lake has gotten such a reputation for being so big and the pressure not affecting it, that obviously, I mean, there's there's a finite, there's, there's a limit to any body of water and the pressure that it can handle. So uh, would you say that maybe the Lake of the Ozarks were starting to kind of uh, run up against that line a little bit? Or is it something that you're still not too worried about and it's just on an isolated uh, le- weekend like this that you need to think about it?
3: it's a weekend like you just won't have fun uh fun fishing because there'll be a boat on every decent spot
1: yeah i mean it's
3: just and if you're if you think you've got that decent spot to yourself somebody just left there before you got there so uh you know it's it's but it's such a big lake so many docks you have to be good at skipping to get and and those three tournaments i just mentioned everybody in those tournaments knows what they're doing i mean it's it's now the big Bass Bass, that's a different story. Everybody's down there having a good time rolling the dice. Uh, none of the local guides, none of the pros can be in it. Uh, yeah. So it's it's strictly for amateurs.
1: Dude. And, what a blast. You like you really, said. What fun- a blast. Yeah. Tell me about and, that so, approach. Like tell me about if you if you were in that tournament, how big of a different is difference is your approach to because you know we're all conditioned in a fishing tournament to You know, it's about it's about that accumulative weight. You you of of course you yeah of course you want that of course you want a you know one big hog in there like you want that one big fish, but it's more about it's more about the numbers. Like you one one fish yeah isn't gonna win it no matter how big that fish is. One fish isn't gonna win you a tournament. So you gotta find the numbers. But in this case. It, it's all about just that one big it's kind of like in in boxing it's like the puncher's chance it's like you know yeah you know you don't have the you don't have the skill or the stanima to go 15 rounds but if you can connect with one good punch you can win this fight and that's kind of how making you know making a little bit of money in this tournament's all about so tell me about the difference between the approach to the, you know the, the two different things
3: it's a huge difference i mean just absolutely huge uh normally with me a lot of guys go the other way i'm trying to get my five uh you try to get five and then go hunt for a big one sometimes people will hunt for two or three big ones and then just try to fill out their limit Mm. uh with this thing man you want to lock a big bait in your hand hit high percentage areas this time of year and just stick with it you might not get but one bite but that one bite could be worth a hundred thousand yeah. dollars <laughs> uh, yeah or it could be worth nine hundred dollars yeah for one fit you know? yeah or it could be worth either way that's $100. a pretty nice bite <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> so my whole thing tony was we always talk about the full moon around the spawn well yeah. we just had a full moon and we've had a drastic cool down here these last couple days and there is lots of fish still suspended out deep suspended on the docks but there's lots of fish up shallow and I think my approach would be two-pronged. I would do both of those things. Uh, you know, two different things can be going on at once at that lake. It's so big. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's so uh, – but what I would be concentrate on, I would be, like I said, big bait. So I would go – I would probably start out in the morning going to channel swings, uh, main lake points that got big chunk rock on them, and physically, with your eyes, try to find those big gizzard shad. Because wherever those big gizzard shad, I'm talking six to eight inch shad, that's where the biggest bass are going to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: I would throw a, a Berkeley chopo, which is like a whopper plopper or a whopper plopper uh, with a, a mag draft swim bait, you know, a big swim bait that just is the size of one of those gizzard shad. You know, in a tournament, I typically don't throw that stuff. I i might, if I have a good limit and I want to go hunting for another big one. Yeah. But for the most part, I don't throw that stuff, a big glide bait, like a, eight to 10, 12 inch glide bait around those big docks. Uh, and then it's top water time in the fall. It's, it's, you know, so the Crocker Gator X Toad buzz baits, one of the best buzz baits that, you yeah. know, has a no skirt and just a toad on the back uh-huh. with, with two kicking legs. So you can really skip that thing underneath those cables and back into the places that you, you you're going to need with all that pressure. In my opinion, you need to get that bait back into play. It's always the case, I guess, at Lake of the Ozarks, but get that bait into the deepest crevices of places you know and that's where those big ones live i've told you before on this show that the biggest fish at this lake only come out to do their thing at the spawn otherwise they're tucked up underneath those docks.
1: so they i'm do always not show them i'm always afraid at lake of the ozarks Are other are other bigger size lakes that have the that have uh you know coves or or little fingers that you can that you can get back in i'm always afraid of 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 getting too far away, like I'm too far back, and now it's now it's getting to be too shallow. And I, you know, I'm always Never. looking for those hidden little spots, but I'm also afraid that maybe I'm going a little that I'm taking it overboard. But you're saying that no, uh, no,
3: I've it, caught some of my biggest fish where you would have thought you'd
1: have seen their dorsal fin. <laughs> That's good that to shallow. know. That's good to know.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you in the tournament one time, Tony. I I I set my power poles down, and this was a dock, a commercial dock. Uh, in a small resort. So it's got maybe 25 slips on it. And I've got my boat weaseled around in there and got my nose stuck up behind it. And I'm talking there's only six feet from the shore to the edge of this dock. And I put my power poles down and I sat there and just got let it be quiet for a few minutes. Retied, got a drink of water. And I skipped a jib, jig way back up under the cables underneath the walkway. And when that thing hit, I was like, how in the world was it setting that shallow? Right. And it immediately, it went, it went onto the bank. Was it laying on its I mean, side? It, I mean,
1: like, how does it, yeah, it, like, how, it how is was it back there?
3: there? <laughs> well, usually what happens is there's a little deeper spot yeah, there. You know, right. right, right. They're down in the mud and just set there. Yep. And that one big bass at the tournament, it was like a 648. Man, that's like amazing. That. And it was super, super shallow. Uh
1: so, Mike, so, I don't want to run out. I don't want to run can. out time here. Um, we usually, you know, this is the segment that we usually bring you our big long fishing report. But with my uh, with Mark being at the Trappers Convention this weekend, we don't have the full blown fishing report for you. But um, uh, you know, we we're getting into that time of year. This is this is my favorite. I think it's a lot of people's favorite time to be out there, especially after we've seen the the weather change, the cooler temperatures come in this week. So, um, it, it, as kind of a little, uh, you know, a, a bridged version of the fishing report this week, what are some of the things that people can be doing this weekend or looking for uh, in the coming days to give themselves the best, uh, best chance at success out there?
3: It's going to be all about top water and moving around until you find the bait, just like we talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah those fish, are, Tony, they're, when this cold weather snaps, I told you that there's some still out deep. Well, those fish, a portion of those are going to push shallow too. So uh, all the way in the backs of the creeks, move a lot, buzz bait, square bill, spinner bait, your favorite bait. But, I mean, that, that topwater bites. Yeah, always. buzz bait's my the, favorite. It's I mean, strongest this is,
1: in the fall. Yeah, yeah. Buzz, yeah, buzz bait. Yeah. And I, I, I'm always a little worried about like, when it starts to get cold that you know oh, they're going to be down a little bit lower because they don't want to be at the surface where it's cold and i think that sometimes i give up a little too early on the buzz bait um or the top water with that line of thinking when does it or does it ever get too cold for the the yeah when the buzz when bait. the water gets
3: below about 55 degrees That's so that when. they start to shy away from that and you can still catch them sure i've, had it happen- I've actually had a, i've had a fish come up when i i was fishing when there was ice you know, really thin ice in the back of coves, and I couldn't see it. And I threw a jerk bait up there and I had one bump the ice trying to get it. So, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it's, you know what I'm saying? It's only if the, yeah, if the water's only three feet deep and they're on the bottom,
1: they'll they, come up for it. They'll they're see not, that food. They're yeah. not
3: going to come from 25 feet. Right. Not at Lake of the Ozarks, but, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, buzz bait strong or a frog or any sort of top water, usually the buzz bait, uh, as the water cools, gets a little less effective, but a popping bait or a walking bait where you can slow it down yeah. a little bit, Yep.
1: Yep.
3: you know, where they, they don't have to chase it. That, that buzz bait, a lot of times they want that thing ripping. Uh, mm-hmm. So you just got to play with that to go back and forth, which, which, which is working. It changes day to day, hour to hour, but right. Uh, it, 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 it shocks people. They think, Oh, that's a summertime thing. or That's a nighttime thing. Or no, it's a, this time of year at lake of the ozarks you can have days where it's an all day thing it's not just in the morning and evening it's all day yeah uh run it down the i like a lot of times i like to get my bait where i can make it go left or right
1: mm-hmm. and then
3: just look, throw it down the side of a dock and let it just be banging off that float all the way down that drives them nuts yeah uh you know so it's that big boulder rock though this time of year tony boulders and chunk because it's got that green moss and those big gizzards the bass are feeding up, but also are the gizzard shad, so they'll be up there eating that moss, and that's mm-hmm. why I like to concentrate on that chunk. And, and that's that what to look ground. for,
1: right? You see those, you see those shad, you see that bait, you see the bait fish, and and, and that's a good sign.
3: Yep, I promise you, if there's six-inch gizzard shad, there's five-inch bass somewhere waiting for him to make a
1: mistake. Yeah, nice. So yeah, good stuff. Mike Marfell, really appreciate your time as always, buddy. Of course, you can see a lot of Mike and Gabe Montgomery, a.k.a. the 10-Horse Monty. Uh, a lot of their experiences on and off the water at the 10-Horse Monty YouTube channel. And, uh, of course, almost every week here with us also on the Bluff City Outdoor Show. Uh, Mike, really appreciate time your time for as always. Can I one quick plug, Tony? Please, yeah, plug away, my friend. We got a few more spots in that Warrior
3: William Charity Tournament next weekend out of Red Oak. Just type in Warrior William. Uh, it's a charity event. There's thousands and thousands of dollars in draw prizes, auction prizes, and we're limited to 100 votes, but I believe they still have a few spots left. So just go to warriorwilliam.com and uh, you'll find it. Type in Warrior William Bass Tournament. Uh, they feed you the night before and the day after the tournament, and uh, it's just a great bunch of like-minded people down there for a good cause
1: yeah that's as good as it gets that's awesome stuff yeah uh, glad that you uh i'm glad that you reminded us about that because that's uh like you said it's a a cool tournament for a great cause and uh, definitely the kind of stuff that we like to spread the word about mike again really appreciate right your time and uh talk to you soon my friend have a great weekend thanks buddy you too take care of yourself yeah back at you great stuff great show today uh, my partner, Mark McMurray, who's at the Illinois Traffic Convention, will be back in studio next week. And uh, if you missed any of that conversation from earlier in the show, again, just make sure that you are subscribed to the Bluff City Outdoors show podcast. And for my partner, Mark McMurray, and for our new producer, Quentin, I'm Tony Colombo. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Bluff City Outdoors show on 1019 and 94.1 News Talk STL.